Welcome to Getting It Together. I'm your host, Erin Heidelberger, the OG Git Mom. What is Git Mom? It's a philosophy, a way of life, and a national movement, if I do say so myself, that's helping moms everywhere get it together. G-I-T. Get it? I'm a certified parent coach and the founder of Get Mom. I empower moms to feel in control in this totally out of control experience we call motherhood. I want to welcome you to a whole new way of thinking about parenting. The secret formula to creating a happy family is, wait for it, to put yourself front and center. Get Mom is the only coaching company in the country focusing on mom's happiness rather than her kids. I give moms simple one, two, three steps to parent more effectively and efficiently. The end goal is always to carve out happy mommy time for you because happy, confident, independent moms raise well-adjusted, self-assured, and happy children. Every podcast, I'll be inviting my guests to talk about how they get off mommy island, how they put the me in mommy, and what they do to get it together. My dream for this podcast is to be the answer to your parenting woes. So let's get into it. Today's guest has perhaps the best job titles of any guest to date. She is simultaneously called the Queen of Etiquette, America's First Lady of Manners, and the Marie Kondo of Etiquette. And it's true that Micah is a touch royal, having been mentored by a former member of the British royal household. Micah Meyer is the founder of Beaumont Etiquette and the co-founder of the Plaza Hotel Finishing Program in New York City, where she teaches modern day etiquette to adults, teens, children, and businesses. And if you think good manners are a thing of the past, think again, because Micah's first book, Modern Etiquette Made Easy sold out in just 24 hours, proving that today's generation understands that your etiquette speaks volumes about your personal brand. Micah lives in New York City with her husband and daughter, Valentina, where she continues to build her etiquette empire as a world leader in the industry. Welcome, Micah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So as we sit down to record this episode, New York has just reopened following the spring coronavirus outbreak. So tell me, how did you survive and did you find yourself calling on your own etiquette training to keep yourself outwardly professional with your family, even though you were probably freaking out inside? Uh, Yes. This week was like the biggest breath of fresh air you can imagine for us New Yorkers. But I think the, you know, here we had, I think in New York, it was the epicenter for so long that we had extra, extra kind of pressure. And also that we live in very small spaces. So, you know, most of us don't have a big backyard or just a car to hop into. So it was kind of like those added pressures. And in the end, you know, I, I got by day by day, to be perfectly honest. I had days where I thought to myself, how on earth are we going to get through this? And there, I think we had, there were 19 days where we didn't leave the apartment. 19 in a row. Yeah. 
and in the beginning, we didn't know. We didn't know anything about coronavirus. So we were so scared. And I have asthma too. And, and also thinking about Valentina, we just didn't know about it. So we were just scared. So we just stayed in. We really just took it day by day, which is kind of what I do. That's like my mothering mentality is just day by day. You have big, long goals. But in the end, that's how I did it. Right. Be here now. Instead of freaking out and thinking about all the what ifs. Yes. Have you ever read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now? No, but my personal motto is be here now. So I'm sure I would resonate and love this book. Honestly, it's, it's easily my favorite book ever written. It is, it is so powerful and it's all about the power of now and gratitude. And that's just what I practiced every single day. Still, still in there, but um, yeah, that's what got me through. So this has certainly been a very weird time in so many ways. And it seems though, even as we return to quote unquote normal life, not much is going to be the same. So I notice people feeling a little weary of each other right now, less likely to hug or pat each other on the back even. And for now, at least the handshake has died. Yeah. So I'm curious, what do you think about how we navigate meeting new people or just bumping into old friends without making a huge scene to avoid physical contact? So what are your thoughts and what do we do to signal a friendly greeting? Yes. So I think it's a combination of verbal and nonverbal signs. When you are approaching, doesn't matter how well you know somebody or if it's a stranger, you want to use both of those together. So actually when, when coronavirus first started, I posted an Instagram video about two positions that you could use to help people. And one was called the stop, drop, and nod, which is literally you stop with distance in between yourselves. You drop your hands, you place them behind your back. So it's a signal that I'm not going to shake your hand. And then you nod as an option. And then the other one was called the grasp and greet, where you literally grasp your hands together, hold them over your heart. So again, you're showing that I'm not going to be shaking hands. And then again, you can nod. But I think at the same time, you're saying, you know, for instance, the Grassman grape, someone walks up to me, I say, oh, you know, I would love to give you a big squeeze, but I'm just being extra careful right now. So, or it could be something like that. And I think if you're showing compassion and you're not making it like they're the ones that have the germs and you don't want their germs, it's more about you want to keep them safe and showing that compassion along with those hand movements and body language. I think that's, I mean, that's what I've been doing in the last kind of week and a half since New York has slowly started to open. That's my go-to. So I imagine coronavirus has given you the challenge of reimagining certain rules of present day etiquette, but I'd love to know how you became an etiquette expert in the first place. So tell me about your childhood. Was your mom an etiquette guru or what sparked your interest? So I get, I, people ask that all the time because you, you would probably think that I grew up in a really strict household, but actually the first chapter of um, my first book, Modern Etiquette Made Easy, the whole story is how I went from living in the most, you know, casual middle-class background household, very modest household to serving Prince Charles, a gin and tonic. And so like, it takes you through my my whole journey Uh because it's so out there. But I grew up in a really casual household in Sarasota, Florida. My father was, uh, he immigrated from Barbados and, you know, we didn't have, we, we had everything we needed, but we didn't have, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I feel like that was a really important message for me to put in the book that, 
you don't have to have money to learn etiquette. And so that was a really important message for me. You know, my parents did. So my mom is very casual. She's very informal. She's an amazing hostess, but she's, she's kind of the mom that she walks around and she's, of course, you know, has everything already prepared, but she's barefoot on the dock coming out, serving oysters and margaritas. And she just makes you feel so at home, but she's not formal. And my father was the one that was, you know, yes, ma'am, no, sir. If that little girl is by herself, you go invite her to, to sit with you. And that little boy's crying. And how do you think he feels? Because you said that to him. So, you know, they really taught me the core of what etiquette is, which is to be kind and respectful and, you know, put others first. And that to this day is just my, my core belief of what etiquette is. And that's how I teach people as well. Well, there's no denying that we as moms are in part shaped by our own parents. That's why so many of us are on the couch trying to work through everything that our parents destroyed us with in our childhood. (laughs) Good and bad. So was being a mother something you always wanted? And what was that journey like for you? So I definitely knew I always wanted to be a mom for sure. But I was a little later. I was kind of a late bloomer in that. Some people know, you know, as soon as they're on their own, they want to start a family. And I always admired that, but I never had those maternal instincts. I always say when I got a dog at 22 years old, that's all I could think about. I just wanted a dog, this little, this little Yorkie. I eat, sleep, breathe. That's all I wanted was this Yorkie. And I got him. And to me, I feel like that was my body. Those were like my hormones saying, you should have a baby. But I just was like, I'm not ready. So I'm living in Manhattan in a tiny apartment that's the size of a closet. I'm just going to get a dog. So I kind of put my career first and then had a family. If I could go back, I probably would start a little bit earlier, I would say. But I always did want to be a mom. I was just a little bit of a late bloomer. So I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be 40 in a couple of years and still only have one trying for a second. So, you know, so it's one of those things where I probably, you know, looking back might've gone a little earlier instead of going to uh, Thailand on a backpacking trip. (laughs) Well, I know, but you know what? It would have been really hard to backpack in Thailand with Valentina strapped to the front of your chest. So, you know what? You know what? You made the decision. Like, be here now. We're going to live now. Yeah, that's so true. You know, you, you, you created your family and right, like you said, you're trying for your second, which is so exciting. And especially in this time that we're all living in an unprecedented pandemic. Yes. So I think like what's so important is you knew you were a natural nurturer. You wanted your puppy. You wanted to love another creature and you did it on your own time and yeah. you put your career first because that was so important to you and you still are accomplishing it all on your own timeline and I love all that. Ah, thank you. Thank you so much. And I also, you know, it's funny. My, I have a couple of girlfriends who are professionals in different industries that feel the same. We kind of went big on our, you know, work life for a while and then kind of settled down and, and started a family. And we actually have agreed that we are probably much better moms now than we would have been when we were <laughs> in our 20s um, for many reasons. But I think 
you know, in my twenties, I was in London and throwing massive parties and I would, I would wake up in the morning and be um, vacuuming sequins from my carpet on the way to work. And before, you know, so I feel like I probably am a better mother, me personally now than I I probably would have been in the time. (laughs) So as much as we love having our little ones, sometimes parenting is the pits, to say the least. It can be hard and frustrating and confrontational and tiring. So what has been your toughest moment so far with Valentina and Mm. whom did you lean on for advice and support? Yes, this is the easiest question to answer for me because she had really bad colic. So, I mean, I don't know if anybody out there that's listening has experienced colic, but this is another, this is another level of, you know, pushing yourself. And there were days, I mean, she had colic. The doctor told us she had severe colic. And, you know, we'd taken her to every doctor, every gastro specialty you could think of in Manhattan, like the best of the best that we could find and still nothing. And she, from about three, started about three weeks in to about four and a half months old. So I didn't bond with her like I thought I was going to. I didn't, I thought it was going to be so, you know, natural. And so I thought we were, I was just going to lay there and nurse her all day and be in like this, you know, the vision that you have. And I couldn't, she, she wanted nothing to do with me. I couldn't touch her without screaming. It was really difficult. So in that time, I think it's really important. I think women tend, uh, mothers tend to hide things like that. And I remember when I started telling my friends, I'm very open. And so when I would tell my friends what was going on, you know, they're like, they're like, is motherhood magical? And I was like, ladies, no, not at all. Like I'm having some big issues here. And they were like, oh my gosh, that happened to me too. And I would say, why didn't you tell me? You told me it was like this magical ride. So I feel like it's really important to be honest. So I was very vocal about it. So I really relied on my, my troop of friends. My mom was my go-to every day, you know, one o'clock in the morning, answering my text messages, flew up to help me take care of her. Um, my girlfriends, my girlfriend, Erica, Shay was like my saving grace. She would just be like, Micah, come on. I mean, get right, get it together, get it together. Right. You got this. You got this deep breath, walk outside, deep breaths. You can hear the baby crying. She's right there. You can see her. You're okay. Let's get it together. And she would like coach me. So I really relied on my girlfriends. I would say during that time and, and in a really honest way that you become really vulnerable. And I didn't feel like a good mom and I couldn't bond. And now I'm madly in love to the point of, of like, I have probably have attachment disorders. Like I'm so in love with her. But at the time I was like, am I ever going to feel this way that people say that they feel about their children? So if anybody's out there listening, you can, and you will, and it gets there, but it's just, I, that was my hard start. Well, and I completely agree with you. Um, right now we're living in this perfect Instagram world where Mm. everything is supposed to be glowing, unicorns and rainbows and it's truly not and all it takes is just one sentence i'm overwhelmed i'm drowning i don't like my baby i don't like my life that if you have people who truly love you they are going to come running but yeah. it's really hard for us as mothers in america to put our guards down and make that first step and Right. Micah and I are here to tell you it works. Put your guard down, start communicating, be open, 
And this will help you get it together. And I'm here to tell you, Micah, just because Valentina was colicky, your next child or children, their science says that there's no rhyme or reason that it doesn't mean that just because your firstborn has colic does not mean your next child will have colic. So as you continue on in your motherhood journey, do not put that in your brain because it'll just freak you out and make you like super scared, especially as you're getting close to delivering. So don't worry. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Science has proven this. Please. Thank thank the Lord. Right? You made it through. <laughs> and now you're on the other side. Survival mode. I had a girlfriend once that called me and I told her what was going on. I'll never forget. And she said, my girlfriend, Austin, she said, you know, sl- you know, lack of sleep is a, is a form of torture that they actually use in jail. In the military. So if you feel crazy, you know, this is okay. This is normal. This is, and just hearing words like that makes you feel like, okay, I've got this. So again, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of having a few solid people to hold you up. Yeah. And, you know, Micah had her husband, but if it's not your partner, then make sure you have some close girlfriends. Again, Micah, you are so lucky to have your girl tribe, but whoever it is, invest in those relationships, be open because you will need them time and time again. So what suggestions do you have for a new mom who might be feeling a little lost and isn't sure how to get her mojo back, either spiritually, Mm. physically, with her outfits? Like, what's your advice? Okay. So, so for me, and I still practice this, but especially as a new mom, I think it's so important. So I have something, I actually just did a a YouTube video on this because I, I'm such a firm believer in it, but it's kind of another get it together mentality, but it's, it's a pick two of three rule that I have with, with etiquette and dressing, but generally with, with moms, this works really well. So the, the three things are your clothing, your skin and your hair are the three things, generally speaking, that we put ourselves together, right? With now, you should, to make yourself feel good, you do two of the three things in the morning. So, for instance, just to put yourself, you stay in pajamas and you don't look at yourself in the mirror and you feel, you act the way you feel. So, if I'm running an errand, just to run out and get you know, formula or whatever it is that I'm doing. I just need a breather. Um, Instead of going outside in my sweatpants and looking like Medusa, all I have to do is just, you know, (laughs) slick my hair back and maybe put on some athleisure, whatever it is. And maybe my, my, I don't have makeup on, who cares? Or maybe if you don't wear makeup, your skin's not clean, who cares? But at least you react the way that you, that you put yourself together you know, if, if you, if you roll out of bed, your whole day will be like that. So I always do a two of three rule. Um, if you do three of three, I mean, good for oh, you. You're That's amazing. It. Yeah, you are. Well, you need it. a nap if you're gonna. Do, if you do yeah. three oh, out of yeah. three, we're here to tell you're you like, take oh, that yeah. siesta. <laughs> take that. So that's what I. That's that would be. You know, just you have to put yourself together a little bit, and you're going to feel better. The it's really hard. You probably don't feel yourself. You know, your body doesn't look like you. You know, remember it, and you just have to be really gentle. Would be my other piece of advice. Be gentle and take your time. You will find your way. And yeah, <laughs> I love that. All two, right, guys, yeah. two out of three and extra credit for three out of three. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see right now. You know what? I'm in your two out of three rule. Perfect. Right. I mean, and you're three out of three today. 
No, I'm not. No. Oh gosh. No. I, what's no, what, I what's your missing on, link? I put on lipstick just so I was just to make you seem like I put effort into myself. So I didn't. <laughs> yes. Because actually, do you know it what works. I always say in my finishing programs at the Plaza, when I teach my social graces and my dressing and um, we have a stylist that comes in and I always say that it's actually really good etiquette to dress to dress up a little bit because you're showing respect for the person you're meeting, right? So if I just roll out of bed and right now is in my pajamas and, you know, laying in my bed with a robe and looked like how I felt probably this morning, it shows that I didn't put effort into myself. So it almost comes off as a lack of respect. So by dressing yourself, yes, it's for yourself, of course, but it's also to show the person that you're meeting that you care and that you wanted to mirror the effort that they put in to having you and hosting you. And I also teach anyone with teens out there. I teach in my teen courses. I teach that. And that's a big one when they're like, why mom, dad, why do I have to get dressed? Why do I have to look nice? Who cares? My hair is messy. And you teach them. It's about showing respect to the other person they're about to meet. And by just rolling out of bed and not doing their hair, they clearly aren't showing respect to that person. And if you say it like that, they kind of, it's like an aha, like, oh, whether they admit it or not, they get it. All right. So motherhood can be messy. Let's just start. We're not going to talk about childbirth, but it all kicks off there. Uh, that wonderful, beautiful, <laughs> yes. beloved, blessed experience. Um, and so motherhood is messy emotionally and just literally. So as someone who is a world leader in the art of protocols and grace, how do you handle this like vulnerable experience of raising a human who's primary purpose, at least for the first few years, (laughs) is to ignore everything that you say. Yes. Um, So, you know, with this, I think this, for me, it's about not trying to be perfect. It's trying, it's, you know, everybody always says, you know, Valentina must have the best manner. She must be so, she must be, wow. Like I can only imagine what your child's like. And yes, you know, if she's sitting at a nice restaurant, she can already eat with her fork and knife in, you know, the formal She's not a savage beast. Right. But she can be, (laughs) this girl can be, I tell you that much. But for me, it's about not being perfect, but about teaching them the core, the real core of what it is and teaching compassion. So at this age, I only want her to be the nice girl. That's all I care about. I don't care if she stabs her steak the wrong way. I don't care if she's, you know, covered head to toe in dirt when she's playing. I don't care. I really, really care. That all comes. I think it's about giving that time, not striving to be perfect because perfect doesn't exist. And again, in the Instagram world, you see these beautiful monogrammed outfits and these like, you know, and you're like, wait, like, how is that possible? But it's not, and not to try to be perfect. So it's, you know, that's what I think. And that's what I do. That's how I follow. I mean, darn right. You bet your bottom dollar, you know, she goes to somewhere nice and she's going to know how to behave, but that's, that's not perfect. You know, that's just about being like a real mom and kind of working on the the core, that like kindness and that like sweet little person that you want to raise. So I completely agree with you on not being the perfect mom 24-7, right? Because it's not doable, attainable. You will end up in the loony bin if you put yourself to such extreme high standards. So I would love to ask you, you kind of touched on your early 20s and waking up with sequins. Have you ever done something you regretted 
you know, had too many cocktails and you woke <laughs> up with sequins all over your face? Um, and if yes, how did you push through the guilt and move on? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I can think of so many things, <laughs> like like moments I regret or things that, you know, I probably did or said. You know, interestingly, for I would say for this, you know, having maybe not in my early 20s, not not treating an ex-boyfriend who I think was is amazing. I don't think I treated him the right way. In the end, I knew he wasn't for me. He thought I was the one, but I I was stuck in this like I'm comfortable, he's my best friend. And in the end, you know, I should have broken up with him instead of being selfish and just having him as my comfort blanket, my person. Um, and I feel I felt guilty for a long time about that. And I just think it's not, you know, that's not representative of who I am. I remember going on a date and with somebody else and he was living in Florida and I was up here in New York and I remember going on a date, but he was definitely still my boyfriend for sure, for sure. And I was, I felt so guilty. And I remember looking behind me and like, I just felt horrible and I knew then I had to break up with him, but it shouldn't have even gotten to that point because it's not how you treat people. And I think now modern day, you know, modern day manners would be the equivalent of like ghosting someone you care about or things like that. But I always still feel guilty about that. And I know he was heartbroken and I don't know that he ever really found out the truth, but I still feel guilty still. But after that, I never, after that day and after that relationship, I never again made the same mistake. I never treated someone like that ever again. And, and interestingly, a girlfriend of mine who ended up becoming a psychotherapist, but at the time she was way wise beyond her word or her years. She said, always be honest in a relationship because it doesn't matter. As long as you're honest, you have nothing to hide and you have nothing to be shameful of. It's what that person does with what you say is an, is another thing, but you can't really help that. But at least if you're honest, that's all that matters. You know, that's all that matters. And so if I should have, I should have told him, I don't have the same feelings for you anymore, instead of just being, just leading him on. Um, and hiding in the restaurant. Looking right. Behind your back. And, oh, it's the worst feeling. <laughs> that is the worst feeling. Um, so that would be my naughty my naughty moment, but I have many of those. I have many naughty moments, but that's definitely one that sticks with me. But I learned from it. I think the thing is that as long as you learn from it, that's the important part. You don't do it. You don't do it again. Right. So you learn from it. And so you you still regret what was currently happening, but you said to yourself, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to be honest with people, even though it's really hard to have confrontation. And it's just, right, like like you said, modern day etiquette, everyone, you know, the millennials are all ghosting each other. It's so much easier to do that, but that's the cowardly way. So, right. you know, put on your big girl panties and be honest. Exactly. And that will help ease your guilt a little bit. But, yes. you know, guilt is normal. Like, <laughs> you know, especially as being a mom, like we have guilt every flipping day, even though yes. I would love to eradicate Massive that, mom but, guilt. Right. Massive. But first I will start with eradicating coronavirus. So yes. taking submissions now on how we can all do this, but <laughs> till then we will try to eradicate mom guilt. Yes. All right. So in my business, I talk a lot about the impact that judgy Judy's, mm. you know, that judgy Judy mom 
few things are as effective at causing guilt spirals than being taken down by a mean mom. So what's your advice for how to handle the mean mom we encounter out in the wild, whether at school or at the grocery store or at an event in our own extended families? Yes. Um, I think everybody has somebody like this in their life or has had this experience. And I think, you know, for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty assertive now when, when things like that happen. I don't, I don't, you know, sometimes if it's a small little thing, I I might be able to ignore it. But if somebody says something like, you know, she, you know, she really shouldn't be eating that. She really shouldn't be or whatever. Valentina. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that was something that I can think of off the top of my head that when I was home, a family member said, you know, she really shouldn't be eating that. That's really not. Um, and I was like, it's Christmas. Give the girl a break. But in that moment, I remember saying, well, you know, in our, in our family, we have different guidelines and rules that you probably have in yours and that's okay. So we're going to stick to ours and that's okay that we agree to disagree. And that's it. And I kind of just shut it down like that. I don't entertain it. I don't ask why because I'm not interested in their um, Shut it down. Yeah, yeah. So that's and what I. Move that's on. what I. That's what I generally do. I don't take it, but I don't. You know. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, if you take it, or if you're open to it, or you seem receptive to it, they're going to keep going, and then, and then, Judgy Judy is going to be on your back every time she sees you. So you just have to shut it down. And I found that moms who are insecure, the Judgy Judy, she's insecure, and they have difficulty reining in their own children's poor behavior, which is like so ridiculous that they're, they have all this energy to worry about our children's behavior or our behavior, and they can't even deal with the own, you know, their own four walls. So have you ever had an instance with a play date or a playground experience with Valentina's friend who is acting naughty? And do you get involved in curbing the other child's bad behavior or do you let it go? Or what's your advice there? I think, you know, I generally don't correct other people's children. I, it depends on what it is. If somebody hits Valentina at the playground, then I'll just I'll kneel down and say, listen, you know, and I'll explain why we don't do that. And, you know, would you like to say I'm sorry? And I'll, I will, I will definitely, if it's like a physical something like that. But if somebody just takes a toy or somebody you know, does something or hurt somebody's feelings. I don't correct them. I usually just talk to Valentina and say, you know why we don't do that? Because we don't want to hurt their feelings. And I know how it feels today. And, you know, she said you weren't her best friend. That's where we are right now at this age. She says, mommy, she says, I'm not her best friend. So I said, well, yeah, we would never say that because that hurts other people's feelings. So I'm more just explaining it to her. It's not my job to correct someone else's child unless they're physically hurting mine. But yeah, that's, I think you have to be careful with correcting other people's children. I think people, you know, that's when like mama bears come out and everyone has their own way of, of raising children. Now within my friendships internally, we tell each other, you correct Valentina, you correct, you know, she has her, her couple little best friends and it's all like this like circle of trust and and, and our mom group. And it's like, okay, if she does something, you correct her, you, you put her in that, in that cool off chair if she needs to. And I give them permission to do that because I trust them. And I say in my coaching practice all the time, and I really personally believe that confidence is the gateway for raising well-behaved children. So how do you coach confidence in parents? I, it's all about positives. I'm all about the positives. 
And I say, if you are working with children, even if you're trying to work on behavior, uh, for instance, or being nice or, or, or introducing themselves to friends or eating, whatever it might be properly, even if they don't do it right, never, I never say, oh, that, that wasn't right. Or no, not, not quite. I always say, okay, that was such a good try. Now let's, now let's, add in this and then it will be amazing. Or that's how I teach parents to train children. And then when I'm teaching parents um, themselves, I'm the same. It's the same technique. It's, it's okay. That was really good. I know you might not feel that way from what you're saying, but I'm really proud of you're doing great. Keep going. It takes me, took me years to learn. So, you know, I don't worry. I've been there. So really just um, always positives, lots of positives in my world. So obviously when we begin to take our children out in public again or send them to a friend's house, like, can you imagine when you get to send Valentina to a play date, even though she, even <laughs> though she might get be put, get put on the naughty chair, like yes. it's just, it sounds like heaven. Our children, they don't always behave like angels, but as we know, this is not always the case. They sometimes are, sometimes not. So when should moms begin teaching etiquette and what's the best way to start? I think it's never too early to start, ever. Um, so as soon as they're, they're talking, when Valentina's third, I think third word was please. Her third word, her first word is Ola. Um, Third word was please. So peas, peas. Every time she wanted anything, what do you say? Peas. She was so tiny. And I think it starts like that. As soon for dining manners, as soon as I can sit at a table with the family, they start their dining manners. Um, Whenever, you know, play dates, you're already, you're already starting their manners. So thank you so much for having me. Maybe we brought two snacks to share with them. You didn't just bring one fruit juice for you. You brought one for her. We brought a little toy for you. We thought you might like this coloring book, little things like that. So which the adult version would be like a host gift, but it's, you know, and like a thank you letter would be the adult version and a child's version is thank you so much. I had so much fun. Um, so just little manners like that go a long way and that's what they're teaching. And remember at the end of the day, they learn the most from you. At the end of the day, they're watching you, they're picking up from you. So I would say parents, you know, invest. Sometimes parents send their children, their teenagers to the Plaza program that we teach. And sometimes I'm looking at this and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not trying to sound judgmental, but I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, wow, I understand why, where this behavioral issue comes from. I understand right. why. The apple falls from Correct. the tree. And, and they think I can fix it. And yes, I can do a good job but, um, and, and improve. But if you're not practicing at home, you're not doing it at home, then, then it's never going to be 100%. And also dining, the earlier you start them, the more they don't even know anything else. All right. So I'm going to admit something. I'm not like super proud of it, but I am a super huge judgy Judy myself when I see parents letting their kids sit on smartphones or tablets at a restaurant. It like seriously, it just gets under my skin and I will start staring at them, trying to make eye contact, trying to shoot like death daggers, like get your kid off the screen. I mean, obviously they probably think I'm a psycho, which I kind of am over the screen thing. But so I just feel if parents can't hold a one hour conversation with their child, like what the heck are they doing? So am I wrong here? Or what are your thoughts on screen time while dining? 
So we don't, we don't do it in my family. Um, my husband is very, I guess is, you know, from the, from day one, he was like, no screens, no screens, no. So we, we are a big, no screen family. And I think if you start it, if you start it, it's really hard to break it. So try not to start it in the first place. But if you do, I mean, I, to each his own, you know, I really, I see it in New York. I see it every day when restaurants are open. I see it. I try just to maybe understand what if that, what if that parent had like the biggest crisis that day and just needed a break? What if that was a one-off? What if that was, I don't know. I don't know their circumstances. I understand it's, it's easy. It's easy to do that. It's the easiest. But it's, it's also your, in the end, you're also teaching them it's, you know, dining and being at home or at the table at a restaurant. That is a really important part of socialization and learn in society and learning um, to engage with people. And if you're just looking at a screen all day and then three, four years later, you're wondering why this, this little child's not connecting with their friends and not, then, you know, that's your answer. So, all right, so you a, are making yeah. me be less judgy. You're right. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to channel the death daggers more back to myself and just have compassion. Maybe they had a hard day. We and never I don't know. know what's going on in their family. And we I never know. Worry about we really myself. never know. But I I agree. I always notice when a child's on the phone. We all or do. Or like I what think. about in the stroller? Oh my gosh. Makes yeah. me insane. I'm like look yeah. at like right where you're raising Valentina in our world's coolest city and then you just plop your kid in the stroller and throw them your phone because you don't want to like hear them whining or crying because it's a long walk like makes me insane yeah it's it's no I'm I'm with you and the only time we do we allow screen time when we travel so that's our on airplanes um or long car trips but even not the first couple hours of a car trip the car trips a couple hours we drove to Martha's Vineyard and we did not use the screen the entire way there, but on the way back, we were like, I was like, okay, she's done. But yeah, but I think it's all about training. All right. So speaking of eating out, tis the season for summer barbecues. And my sister, who will actually end up editing this episode, she cannot attend a family dinner without wearing half of it on her outfit when she leaves. (laughs) So this question is for you, Tanya. How do we eat appropriately at barbecues so that we don't look like wild, messy pigs at the trough? And is there some secret tip for balancing that paper plate while juggling a chicken leg and a corn on the cob? All right. So for me, I always say I would rather you get smaller portions and eat smaller bites. So, and then if you, if you want to go up and get more, you know, then that's one thing, but instead of having that balancing that plate and then having the fingers and then, and I actually eat I mean, a lot of foods with my forks. So yes, if I'm, I, I mean, it depends on what it is. But for instance, a hamburger, the way that you eat a hamburger, I'm actually, I'm actually about to put an Instagram uh, video on how to eat a hamburger by special request. Um, somebody asked, and it's you actually take a hamburger and you cut it in half. Instead of taking that huge burger up to your mouth, you want to take smaller bites and therefore you, you take smaller portions. Therefore, you have to cut smaller portions. So you're only cutting one piece at a time. If you're using your fingers, um, you might go through multiple napkins. But I think small portions in smaller bites is generally what I say. If you use your finger, and I always follow the host. So at a barbecue, if the host is 
using their fingers to eat ribs, I won't pull out my fork and knife and eat my ribs, right? Um, because that you're making yourself stand out and not in a good way. But if I'm at a barbecue and I look around and my host is eating you know, the barbecue shrimp with a fork and knife, then I will take my fork and knife. So you always follow the host. So if the host is eating and with their fingers, just and please don't lick your fingers. That's one thing I'll, I will request, special request. Then, then I think you have, you know, if the host is doing it, then they don't know any different. So you can kind of blend in a little bit better. So for Tanya, you can <laughs> watch the host. But those would be some of my tips. Oh, and corn on the cob. Um, corn on the cob's a hard one, but you know, at the end of the day, it's these are all finger foods. These are meant to be casual foods. So if you, it's not a formal dining experience. So you don't have to be formal when you're having a barbecue. All right. So Tanya, you heard it here first, use all of this advice and you probably also need a giant baby bip, but <laughs> you are my baby sister. All right. So, well, in addition to my world famous brownies that I like to bring as a hostess gift, if I'm going to be going to someone else's house, what are your favorite hostess gifts that are easy to get, but still demonstrate a personal touch? So my go-to, um, I buy them on Etsy, are co- linen cocktail napkins with fun slogans on them or fun little like embroidered drinking messages, like make mine a double with the double tennis rackets crossing. I, that's my go-to. If you invite me this summer to your home, that's probably what you're getting. Um, I buy them in bulk and I just keep them. And then I like, you know, I'll usually do something. Somebody recently, you can just be creative. The more thoughtful, I love I love a home-baked gift. But for instance, somebody came to my home once from, from Greenwich and she brought from a local honey stand, a beautiful jar of honey. And um, I just thought that was like the most beautiful gift because it was local. It was from her town. It was seasonal, anything. You can just be really thoughtful, but something... Something like that. But my go-to would be cocktail napkins. All right. I hope you guys wrote all of these ideas down because now we are going to talk about Micah's etiquette courses. And she teaches them at her Beaumont Etiquette School. So tell me about your children's and teen etiquette classes. And it sounds like it's never too late to rein in unruly behavior. That's so true. So I have my office in Columbus Circle, which is right on the southwestern side of Central Park. And we teach children, um, teens, adults. We, we actually travel a lot to different corporates. So banks, law firms, we do corporate training as well. But our real teen and kids program is the group one at the Plaza Hotel. So private one-to-one at my office for groups that all takes place for the little ones, five to nine in the Eloise tea room. And they learn dining skills and they learn, you know, it's an, it's a 90 minute course, but it, it touches on how to introduce yourself to adults. Um, I mean, we really go into it, how to hold your silverware correctly. And they really come out of it. They usually ask to come back. The parents are shocked and it's fun. Everyone comes in their little bow ties and their little, you know, dresses and handbags. It's so adorable. And then the teen is a two-hour course. And that is, again, at the Plaza Hotel, but over a three-course meal. So we give them a little bit more responsibility in terms of you know, a typical nice meal. We talk about cell phone etiquette. We talk about, do we go into dating? We talk about everything. And it's, a, it's like a non-judgmental powwow. We usually keep it to about 15 teens and it's fun. They're all in the same boat, but they, we have a hot topic 
you know, section of the class where we talk about what's going on in their lives. Somebody could ask about bullying somebody. And it's like a, it's like a judgment free group. I don't teach personally the kids and the teens courses anymore, but I do. I did find some of the most amazing children's specialist instructors. So although I have trained all of those instructors, they are taught by, you know, the teens. It's a, it's a, an instructor that's, you know, in her mid twenties, but they really can relate to her. More resonate with her than than with me. And so I just wanted them to feel like a safety zone and that it's not like some, you know, older adult teaching them. Woman, right? Mom. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes I pop in to especially the little kids classes that just because that is just my favorite thing on earth to watch. And so I'll come in and and they'll be like, hi Miss Micah. And sometimes I dress like a little Mary Poppins character or something like that and just come in and check in. But it's it's wonderful. And they really leave with an, a real understanding. And they can't wait, both teen and kids can't wait to show their parents what they learned. Oh my gosh, I love all of this. And right now, it's especially helpful that in this time of COVID isolation, you are offering etiquette webinars online. So tell us more about those. And when is your next one? Yes. So we do webinars. Some of them are free on my website, beaumontetiquette.com. And some, you know, it's minimal pricing. And the next one, they're weekly. So you can watch the teen one weekly. I think they're on Saturdays um, for replay. And we have adult ones. And then we also do one-to-one Zoom training. So for instance, if you don't want to do your, you know, you don't want to do a, a webinar or you want to do a personalized one. So you're preparing to go somewhere. Your child has certain, you know, challenges that you're like, I just want to focus on this. I just want to focus on that. I just want to get through Aunt Susie's wedding without a meltdown. Or right, like my daughter's going to be a flower girl. Like how do we get straight to the finish line? Correct. Exactly. And you sit down, you get to, you get assigned an instructor and you fill out a very detailed form about all the things you want that person to learn, the child to learn. You choose the style of how you want it taught. Do you want it really, really forceful and kind of like you know, or do you want it easy peasy, depending on the personality of the child. And so you we really, really customize those one-to-one sessions and they get notes after. So it's, it's really right now we've had, of course, pivot, but the Zoom training allows us to reach anyone in the world, which is pretty amazing. Well, I am tempted to sign up all three Heidelberg. Well, actually, uh, let's back that up. All four Heidelberger boys as I'm (laughs) surrounded by testosterone. And let me tell you, isolation has taught me that I am not a fan of walking into rooms with lights on and drawers and cabinets open or even... (laughs) like 10 centimeters open. My OCD has really kicked in. And I think it's just like etiquette. I mean, obviously you are the etiquette guru, but I find it begins with self-awareness. And when you are aware of where you are and what you're doing, then you can communicate and act appropriately. Yes. Bingo. Bingo. All right. So guys, I am signing you up and we will be doing this on Saturday. So (laughs) look out. All right. So we've talked a lot about what we can do to raise thoughtful children, but I want to ask what you do to take care of yourself 
I often talk to my clients about getting off of Mommy Island because it is so important to stay in touch with ourselves. Just because we're moms, it does not mean that we died. And as a busy mom, wife, and business owner, how do you put the me in Mommy? So first and foremost, for me, it's date night. Date night, I couldn't tell you how important date night is. Even if you don't feel like it, you're having a crazy week, making time for date night if you have a partner. Um, And then second would be, I would say keeping up. Like I have my guilty pleasure as my keratin treatment. Like that is just something that that is my thing. I feel is human that step again. Four? Is, well, I guess that would be within the three, right? Because we oh, have yes, hair, yes. skin, and clothes. Correct. Okay, so right. So that's my guilty pleasure. Um, you know, I really, really, I truly believe you will be addressed by the way that you dress. And then you will feel the way that you've dressed yourself. So the combination too. So I'm really big into self-care really big about making time for yourself, making time for your friends. Um, It's really easy not to, but I think if you feel good and you feel happy, then you are a happy mom and a happy mom makes happy babies. And I really, I'm a big believer in it. And I think if you need help, ask for help. I, I have a girlfriend who's struggling with a nanny and I was like, if you, she just couldn't get over. She's like, I feel like someone else is raising my child. And I was like, do you think for a second you know, I don't rely on help. I have, I have help. I have, you know, like, and it's something that I'm not scared to, you know, it's, it's a women feel like, Oh my gosh, I can't admit that I have help. I'm like, listen, I don't have family up here and it takes a village. If I had to hire someone to come over and let me, you know, do an amazing podcast while they're downstairs wrangling my child, then so be it. And it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to take help. And sometimes that's your self-care. And also another way to put it is why wouldn't you want to bring more people into your child's world to love your child? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And especially for little ones that aren't necessarily in school yet, there's no way I could have run a business and done a book tour and, and, and my husband works too internationally. It's impossible. I couldn't, I would have to choose one. So, and also financially, it's a huge investment. It's probably my biggest investment to be perfectly honest when I go through my expenses, my monthly expenses, but at the same time, it keeps me sane and it keeps me it keeps me going. I'm able to run my company. I'm able to travel. I'm able to do the things that I can. Sometimes I bring Valentina with me. If I'm going to, you know, Boston, I'll, I'll bring her, but at least, you know, she's tiny. She's not in school yet. And otherwise, you know, I'm a stay at home mom, which is a great thing if that's for you. But I also wanted, I want that, but I also want to have a company. So that's my choice. Yeah. I love everything you just said. You are a true get mom. And I'm not just <laughs> saying that. I do. I really, you guys know, I don't say that to many of my, my many of my guests, but you no, know, you, you get it. Like you yeah. have it together. So thank you. You have, it sounds like you have no plans to slow it down either. And you had two books come out. And so what are you working on right now that you're excited about and you want to share with our listeners? So right now we are um, we are preparing to open the Plaza Hotel again in September. So all no. of our courses will kick back um, from our adult finishing course programs where people fly in from all over the world for these. It's really phenomenal. And I'm launching a train the trainer program. So think about 
men and women who are looking for a career change. Um, we get hundreds of requests every year to train and certify people. And so we're launching, I'm, I'm actually going to be announcing it in July, our first ever train the trainer program. So you can come and learn how to be an etiquette instructor, how to um, launch your business. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm really excited about that. And just empowering people to start their own company, you know, their businesses. I'm like a serial entrepreneur. So I love, and I, I want to empower people, especially other other women, other moms. It's something that you can still have life and make money and have flexibility. So I've loved this career choice for that reason. My YouTube, I just launched a YouTube and we're also filming a documentary. So it's on hiatus because of COVID, but we have cameras in the Plaza Hotel. Um, So we have some exciting things coming for 2021. Oh my gosh. I, this is, I, I can't even believe all the new scoop you gave us. And that's so exciting. It's well, so and, like, you know, to train the trainer. Yeah. That is no joke. It is not. And it's, you know, it's also one thing I always ha- like to tell people is that I'm a hustler and people think a hustler is a bad thing. People think a hustler is such a dirty word. Hustling can be elegant and hustling can be powerful. And it is. I'm constantly hustling. That is all I do. There are days where that's all I do, but I, I do it with grace and I do it where I pass on and I don't just take, take, take. I give back too. And I think that's really important, but um, hustling can be glamorous and elegant and powerful and empowering. So don't well, be afraid you are, to hustle. Right. And you are walking the talk. And it's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. And I actually, I feel better behaved already. <laughs> so for all of us hoping to follow along and see what you do next, how does my audience find you? Oh, thank you. I, so I am on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, you know, the newer, the norms. I'm on at Micah Meyer. At, so it's at M-Y-K-A-M-E-I-E-R. And then also my website, BeaumontEtiquette.com. And my U, uh, YouTube channel. So YouTube, I'm doing um, lifestyle and etiquette training on YouTube. So yeah. So, and oh, oh, for moms, I also have a kids YouTube channel. So for little ones and we teach, you know, it's, it's more like preschool age, but setting the table, sharing, making friends. So those are our two YouTube channels. So that's where you can find me. Oh, and my book, sorry, my books, shameless plug, modern etiquette made easy. And my other book, um, business etiquette made easy. So it's an etiquette series of books, but meant to be really relatable, approachable. I went to finishing school thousands of miles away. So you don't have to, <laughs> and just really easy, usable tips. All right. You guys heard it. Micah is everywhere. Everywhere you look, you're going to find Micah and Beaumont Etiquette School. So thank you so much. I loved talking with you. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at GetMom and check out my website, GetMom.com to learn more about how to get it together. But for now, this is Erin, your biggest cheerleader, here to help you get it together, moms. And this podcast was recorded by Hanger Studios. 